Cheers. Excellent. Ching ching. Ching ching. Today we have the president of the Chicago Area Runners Association, Kara, and um, Carl Lejeune. Cal Lejeune. Cal Lejeune. Okay. And uh, apparently, my friend here is Haitian, and a great story that we're going to partake with this chili. So, we are doing a eating on camera slash eating in front of the podcast this time. So, take a first bite and let me know how it is. Very good. Very good. Well, yours being nice. I, I would say it goes spicier, but it's a All right, you did tell me that. <laughs> okay. It is 9 p.m., so, uh, you know, um, uh, I think runners love to get great sleep, right? Um, runners don't care too much about sleep <laughs> because we run all the time, especially marathon runners, right? We're, we're always trying to get out there. Why not? Well, speaking of um, all right, the story of how we met, so it's actually kind of funny. Um, well, I was reading a Fleet Feet article about you and... <clears throat> I use my my company my company's uh, basically number getting tool like LinkedIn tool to get your email and phone number <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I basically just reached out I mean I did email you on like and you responded right away I saw that I was on my laptop at the time and I LinkedIn messaged you <laughs> and, and I responded <laughs> and you were the the most responsive person I've ever met. <laughs> because I called you and you answered, and it was like, boom, done, let's go. That's right. And uh, you're like, almost in one of your podcasts, and I was like, wow, like this is like, this is like as easy and as awesome as it gets. Because you know, like, not everyone's like you, man. Like, yeah. When it comes to, uh, anyway, um, I'm in the business of having awesome people come over to my place and scheduling that and making it happen, and so. You are just like, you are a dream come true. <laughs> so, um, we lost to learn together about running and, um, you know, how to improve community health and togetherness. So, let's all start with the, always from the top. Uh, where were you born, Kyle? So, I was uh, born in Haiti, um, in Port-au-Prince, the capital, and had been there for about 10 years and then moved over to the states um, and to Chicago there was some extended family <clears throat> that were here my parents um, kind of organized uh, getting us here much later it actually was about a 10-year gap um, we went through the long immigration process right it wasn't an asylum type scenario so our parents came here to establish residency over the course of 10 years and then Thereafter, the kids, myself, my uh, two brothers and sister, then were brought over. So parents were visiting during that time period back home in Haiti while they were establishing themselves here in Chicago. So it was, <clears throat> we stayed with aunts and uncles to, try, uh, to bridge that gap. And since I uh, got to Chicago, that's, that's where the second big journey started with uh, Chicago being sort of the spot. I grew up in Inglewood. Went to high school there and then continued on to uh, university at UIC. We all went to, we all were University of Illinois, quote unquote, uh, graduates. 
my two brothers went down to Champagne and my sister and I stayed at UIC local because we were so young. Um, I started UIC when I was 15. Um, and then my birthday flipped in October and turned 16. So went, went through that, did a couple years in engineering, then shifted to architecture and graduated with a uh, double degree in architecture and structural mechanics. And I've been practicing as an architect for many, many, many years in this city. And this city is one of the best mm-hmm. for architecture, both old and new. It's, it's obviously it has a number of great icons. It has <clears throat> Frank Lloyd Wright. It has Mies van der Rohe for the IIT campus. Um, even up to the more recent Adrian Smith, who's been designing all of the tallest um, high-rises around the world, including Burj Dubai and a number of others. I should say Burj Khalifa, it's called, which is the tallest building in the world now. And he designed the Trump Tower locally here and a number of others uh, well-known. So Chicago's a great place to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's been a great journey so far. Great little spiel, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the Chicago, one of my first Chicago experience was the Chicago Ar- Architecture Tour. Yeah, um, that's one of the great ones. That um, the boat, yeah, and um, well, the boat too is great. Yeah, uh, great architecture here for sure, um, and it's quite the city. Do you uh, do you remember your first time uh, mm-hmm. loving running? I know you were such soccer, and so you, I, I think I read something about duathlons or. Yeah, I mean running started. It's, it was sort of a natural sport for me because in the Caribbean we play soccer. There's at least in Haiti at the time growing up, there weren't too many other sports. I mean, you had anything that can roll on the ground was um, a soccer sport for us because <clears throat> we didn't have a lot of kind of available. Uh, sports tools you know no no baseball glove no baseball bat no basketball no you know sticks of any kind for uh, some of the other sports so we gravitated to sort of natural things that we could do one it was you know kind of the the typical hide go seek type scenario where you're using your own body or your own energy and running around so that was a very typical thing to do in the yard was to just run around each other um, but we had a soccer field. Unfortunately, it was not out of grass. It was a concrete soccer field. So imagine that. I've got a few scars on, oh, my, yeah, on that, my knees from that. But that's what that's what you have. So running, I think, has been in my life since the beginning, and it's just progressed into very specific uh, set of interests that have brought it from regular running to playing soccer back home, coming to the states and playing a little soccer, trying out for other sports that I was too small for, because remember in high school I was very young, and really got into um, participating in sports that I could manage without throwing a ton of money at it. So certainly running is pretty simple and straightforward. I did start biking a bit to get into, at the time, they were called biathlons until they shifted the term biathlon, which obviously is an Olympic sport of skiing and sharpshooting, to the term duathlon. So we we now have currently to maintain it as duathlons all around the world. Which are what? It's a run, bike, run. There's okay, no, so no swimming. swimming. 
I'm not, not a crazy swimmer. I can swim. People don't like the water. People right. don't like the water. But even though I was surrounded by water in Haiti. But. And um, got into duathlons. And that was a great opportunity to do you know, a short amount of running. Because they usually never, don't go up further than a 10-kilometer run. Usually it's a 5K run front. Then 10 to 15-mile bike. And then either another 5K at the end or a 10K. So it's reasonable they're sprints, basically. <clears throat> okay. So, those were fun until I got into marathon running. On your birthday? On my birthday. You said you saw the first your opportunity to do a marathon, and you saw that the... So, you I guess it was the first time you just realized the marathon was going to be on your birthday, and you were just like, let's go. I'm going to do it. Yeah, there were some friends that were training themselves <clears throat> for their own set of reasons, and they were trying to convince me to do it. I didn't quite see the opportunity and trying to go run a marathon but adding the birthday to it I think was a great way of getting connected and having a fantastic reason to go run and this is the time when the marathon was at the end of October and it landed on my birthday in 2000 October 22nd and I ran my first marathon then and the rest is history yeah um, so it sounds like I've You've run, you're an addict after that point. You've run everyone except for one year you had an injury, and then one year it was COVID, um, and you're running this year. So, how hard was it for you to ramp up to that first? Because I'm in my doing my first and the training, uh, I'm a bit behind. I'm not like, I'm not, I mean, to be candid, I'm not paying for, uh, the training and support that I could be paying for, which is what your organization offers. Um, so I'm doing it very much alone and not as organized, but it's become, I mean, the long runs definitely, the first time you get up over 15 miles, that really takes a lot, took a lot out of me uh, the first time reaching up that high. Um, and so I love running half marathons like I can wake up hungover in a new city and run around if I feel inspired and and do a half marathon but once you get over that you start reaching that wall you need that hip strength Mm -hmm. so what like how would how would you describe your first marathon experience was it painful was it enjoyable were you doing it right were you was it would you say that the first marathon is a big hurdle and and then you know it's it's a little easier after that yeah, I mean, you know, marathons are, <laughs> at least when I ran my first one, I think um, the general populace in thought about marathons was shifting from, well, I think I'm going to die if I run a marathon versus, oh, this is doable. I can put in some hard work, but I'm going to survive at the end. So it was a point at least where people were accepting that a long endurance race or sport like the marathon is achievable. So it was less about trying to finish it. It was more about how painful do you want it to be at the end, um, based on your training, based on you know your bodily structure. And you're right. Once you get above <clears throat> 15 miles, your body is now asking for things that it's not going to get naturally. Like you, it has to now be produced somewhere else. So are you training? You know, getting nutrition in you getting hydration that's beyond just water, those things your body's not gonna generate on its own. In fact, it's losing 
those things and you have to figure out how to replace it. So the training is just mm, Okay, so this is where, like I, I guess maybe, all right, so that 15 mile run I did, that depleted me so much. That was done with no, no, no help at all. Meaning I had no like gooeys or new energy drinks or I had no water on the run. Mm-hmm. I was running down to uh, past Burnham Harbor, and at one point there, it gets really quiet, and there's no people even to look at, and there's not much changing in the scenery, and it's like you're in the desert almost, mm-hmm. and you're at 15 miles in the desert, and you don't have any kind of energy from the crowd, or little boosters of energy from food, right. or drink, or a coffee boost, or anything, and that was so hard that I'm wondering, tell me, girl, do I have to run this whole famous 20 miles? Because I'm scheduling it for next week, um, <clears throat> but I don't know. My dad's telling me I've done enough and that I'll be energized by the marathon. But do you think that 20-mile like famous hurdle before a marathon, is that really necessary? Because I'm wondering, next week it's <clears throat> I'm going to have to do that or... My sister's visiting town. It's my three quarters birthday week. <laughs> I'm throwing like a crazy party, and I gotta cook. Some, I'm gonna make a great ceviche for my sister, and then I'm gonna like do another chili. I got like three hours of standing up and cooking to do. And do I run 20 miles in the desert before that or not? So, like, what is your take on the whole 20 mile thing? Well, I mean, I think you can never over prepare, right? Um, one of the first things that I tell my athletes is you have to respect the distance. 26.2 is well beyond your body's ability to do what it needs to do naturally without making sure you support it. <clears throat> so if you're, if the 20 miler is a question in your mind, it's gonna also be the same question when you actually run the race, right? Because now you're gonna try and think what 20 miles will bring for you when you hit there, if you hit there, right? Because you haven't gotten there yet. And beyond that, you still have six more to go. So it's not your threshold yet, right? Which is why I think once there are folks that as they're training, I say, you know what? You can do whatever you want up to about 10, maximum 15 miles. But after that, you either need God or something else That's to help you to move forward, right? True. So you have to have it. And the, the more you can get yourself to that zone beyond and support it, then you're in a better place. So respecting the distance is key. So if you're, if you're thinking that 20 is not required, then you're not understanding what 26.2 is about. Mm. Right? And, and it's no different than, and I tell folks this as well, <clears throat> is you don't have to run 26.2 miles to run 26.2. Just like I would never tell you to go climb Mount Everest in training before you climb Mount Everest. You'll never do that. Right. But the idea is you have to get yourself to a threshold that the body at least can accommodate and understand what it's about to go through to be able to manage the rest of it on your own. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like you don't have to get to the end, but you have to get to a point which we all seem to agree yeah. that 20 is that long 
furthest point for most typical folks. Right. The folks that run a lot, they run 22, some run 24, some may run a, another marathon before that is sort of a slower pace training type run so that they can run faster than a 26.2. So my advice to you is to reconsider that 20 mile next week and try and make an effort to do something beyond your 15. Are you saying go beyond 20 or what are you saying? Just no, like no, go no. in between maybe? Like just go... At least go in between, as close oh, okay. to 20 as you can. Okay. But don't ignore oh. the importance uh, of the 20. I'm going to do it for you, Carl. That's all <laughs> I needed to hear. I really was not sure what you were going to say to that. And that's like, this is like you're helping me. Like, this is like the number one. Like, I told my mom, I was like, this is like my biggest question. Like, I don't always have something so urgent to ask, but this is so timely. It's like, yeah, there's what? Three weeks to the marathon. It's my days. last big hurdle, and then I get to go back to Miami and hibernate and enjoy uh, winter, uh, endless summer. So, yeah. for me, all right, <laughs> I wish you just gave me the easy out, but no, now I got to do this, Mary. I got to do this. Hey, and let's, let's agree, a 20-miler on your own is harder than a marathon. It's harder. It is. It's harder because <clears throat> I love people so much. That the energy of the marathon and the crowds cheering and the novelty and the excitement, plus on a twenty miler, I'm probably not going to be really like indulging in things like 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 energy boosters or coffee or uh, just like little. I'm probably going to do it just on an empty stomach and have almost no water in between. Maybe I have one halftime spot down near uh, Burnham Harbor. I like for like. Mm-hmm. Going to the bathroom and like mm-hmm. getting some water, but yeah, I'm pretty much gonna do it in the desert by myself. And tell you, so I do it to house music too, and that I have a hard time sleeping afterwards. Like <laughs> literally, when, when you're when you're running to like house music tracks like Ultra Miami, whatever. Uh, my favorite is Dada Life and Don Diablo, and like when they really just give me that lift of energy. Mm-hmm. And when I run to them for two hours. I, my brain is so jazzed that I last time I did that I basically couldn't sleep well for like two three days and wow. I'm wondering like do you have the same problem of like after long runs being able to sleep? No, I mean you should be feeling enough fatigue that sleep is the least of your worries, right? Because you're exerting so much energy, you've burned so many calories, your muscles are sore. Um, your ligaments are trying to figure out whether they're still connected to your mm-hmm. joints or not. You have all of the microfiber tears in your system that you need to allow to recover. So it all wants to do one thing, which is nothing. And that should be sleep. <clears throat> so if, if there's no sleep, then the disruptor is somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So maybe you just are not sleeping enough normally that adding running to it just really disrupts it too much. Mm. I don't know. I am sleeping well usually. I noticed just how I think part of it's my body's at this like calorie deficit mm. where my like my my brain is hungry to replenish and I don't typically Sundays I eat very healthy. I like ceviche and like chili and it's pretty low calorie honestly. A lot of protein, but my body's kind of starved and Yes, my 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 body wants rest, yeah. but my mind is very <clears throat> awakened by the run. 
so I don't know. Like I use, <laughs> I don't smoke weed anymore, and I don't think it's a good thing necessarily. <laughs> but I think I might have a new habit of if I do long run by myself for that long, I literally need some like indica to like chill out my brain. Like <laughs> that's interesting. I. <clears throat> I mean, that's a different kind of energy level. I don't know where that's from. Maybe maybe it's just the endorphins from running. Imagine, right? it's, a, it's, it's, so, it's just so like much. pumping you up. So yeah. much, yeah. And the house music and the endorphins. And, 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 and I can see that. And I can see that being something. And and that would be a disruptor for you. Yeah. Because why do you need to spend that much extra energy when you shouldn't? Because you just put it all out there on the ground, right? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, Trying to simmer down is important because you got to allow your body to recover, right? And if you're missing that key opportunity, then you're tired for the next one and you're tired for the next one and you're tired. It just keeps happening. So you have to be able to recover. Um, so finding a source to uh, not only get your mind, but your muscles need to relax too. Because if your mind is tense, so, are, so mm. is the rest of your body. I still have like so a migraine. Gotta... My mind is like early, like... <clears throat> So my mind is, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, I, I'm not someone who generally like gets headaches. I'm pretty careful about hydrating and things, but mm -hmm. yeah, my mind is just like, it's like you're, you're starved and you're, it's like, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, you're survival mode yeah. and your brain's like, I gotta, I gotta replenish somehow. So I mean, you're also putting your body to an extreme that it shouldn't be put to, right? Like, you should yeah, be getting nutrition on the way while you're running. You're not doing that. You're supposed to <clears throat> likely control your pace, which I'm pretty sure you're not controlling. No. <laughs> I mean, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to hydrate at a reasonable rate that allows your body to get sort of progressively more fluid as you are kind of losing fluid, right? Because you're sweating. Mm -hmm. You're also having quite a bit of sodium that's coming out of your yeah. pores. And you're not replacing any of that. Not not even at a rate that is reasonable for you to replenish back. You just sort of putting it whenever you think you feel like it. Or whenever you, you <laughs> since you don't know the city too well, whenever you see a water fountain in a distance, go, oh crap, let me go get it some water. So you're not planning those things and you're forcing your body to overexert itself. You beating it up, right? Yeah, I've never been deader than the day after that fifteen mile run. I was just like, and <laughs> my brain was such a low energy state that literally I couldn't like everything else seemed to go wrong in my life too. Like it was like I was had bad luck everywhere, <clears throat> and, and mm -hmm. the tide switched when I actually I got got a new job, a side job, but uh, and that just energized me out of nowhere. And it's just like wow, that's just like the brain, and and it's so interesting how. You can your energy can just change without any kind of physical aspect. It's really spiritual, almost like yeah. how your energy can just flip uh, without anything else changing. And, and that would happen after one of my interviews with like one of my new friends and partners. Um, so yeah, speaking of Kara, and I know what how many runners are with you guys for the marathon? Like thousands. We yeah yeah. So today we had our uh, twenty miler on the lakefront. Uh, it's a point to point, so we started up north at the Wilson Track, then <clears throat> continued north to uh, Brandmeier, which is the termination at the end of the path, and then went all the way south, all through the, to, through the lakefront to 63rd Street, uh, just south of Museum of Science and Industry. 
one of the locations where <clears throat> the Chicago Exposition in 1892 was. If you remember the big golden statue. I love it there. Yeah, we it's, did a art walk there. It's beautiful. Yeah, so it, it's the, the parking lot and finish area was fairly close to that. <clears throat> so it, it was, uh, we had about uh, 1,700 that registered and about 1,500 finished. So we had a good group of folks that were out there from different pace group, from seven minutes per mile all the way down to 12, yeah. 30, uh, 13 minutes. So everyone did great today. There was quite a bit of, a little bit more humidity than it was yesterday. Uh, different from CES that had probably closer to six to 800 within that range. Did a series of loops on the lakefront. So if you were out there anywhere this weekend, you would have seen a bunch of runners. All of them were doing 20 miles primarily. Uh, that's the way to do it. Like I guess you guys are turning the 20 miler into its own little party and and support system. And so that's like really the way to do it. I, I just I'm doing it the most painful way possible. Yes. Probably. <laughs> and that's just like the way my whole life has been. I always end up doing that. So I don't regret it. Right. That's one reason I don't ask the question. Uh, you know, what is something that you wish you learned or knew earlier in life that you could share with others who are young? No, people, and honestly, I mean, at the same time, yes, share your wisdom, share your beliefs, but like, at the same time, something about regret is just taking the stance that anything that you could regret, it maybe you are, it's a story and you're stronger for it and you can't actually regret anything in the past because that pain is gone. Your brain really gets rid of that pain really, really easily. Yeah. And you stop really remembering what it was like to feel that pain. But you just remember the story of it. And you feel so much better now having dipped down that low in pain. So there's really nothing I regret. So I, I, I tend to throw myself into pain a lot. But that's life, right? And that's more of us to do that. So speaking of that, I mean, running can be, for some, a pain. I mean, it's really a challenge in a, a lifestyle of continuous throwing yourself into that run and overcoming the inertia of just sitting around and not wanting to do that maybe. Um, I know you're working on some run clubs and promoting more of that. I, we obviously had uh, the Lakeview Run Club here. We had <coughs> Kayla J, KJ on the podcast. We've had Universal Souls, mm-hmm. Joel on the podcast. Uh, the, the North Side has some great, uh, great run clubs, Fleet Feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so. What do you think is stopping the whole rest of Chicago joining? I know, obviously, it's cultural too, because, you know, what is it about black culture that, like, why do you think they're not more running? Because the Kenyans are pretty freaking amazing at that. Um, I think, obviously, basketball is big, football is big, organized sports are big, which are fun, they're a bit more fun. But there's something about a, a whole runner's high being like a family coming together at a run club and having fun, running, uh, what do you think is going to change that or, or promote that more? Well, um, it, it's always going to be about access, right? Quote, unquote. So that is the primary driver that creates that disparity between north and south, east and west, um, culturally, um, socioeconomically. And it's... Um, it's a hard problem to solve, but we certainly are taking a, 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 a chunk at it, at least to try and change it. With Kara, we have a series of um, running crews that we started <clears throat> last year from the unrest um, early in the year, about April, May, to with an initiative to focus on DEI to provide that access and take away as much as we can that gap for why 
there isn't running in the inner city, in the communities. Now, part of the problem is, is all of us participating in it as well. Because if Nike comes to town, they go straight downtown. They don't go to the community. If they're doing an event, that event is not on the south side or the west side. Right. It's in Streeterville. Right. Um, so we're, we're part of the same problem that we're claiming we're unable to fix. So one aspect has to be that we change our mindset of what access means. What does the sport mean? Do I need to have a pair of Nike shoes to run? Absolutely not. But the fact that the messaging and everything about the sport tells you you need to have a Nike with a metal plate in it that's going to make you run, now we're thinking, how in the hell am I going to pay $200 for a pair of shoes like that when I'm just going to go run? So part of it is perception, part of it is the messaging that we are preventing the access. And it's not that the access doesn't exist. So these run crews that CARE has done around the city, we know, we have one in the Austin neighborhood. Every week, 15 to 20 individuals mm-hmm. from the neighborhood have participated. It's going well. We have a diversity community program manager that we hired specifically for this um, that's been doing great. We, have, we uh, have a run crew in Market Park. Market Park is sort of a bridge between the African-American community, Spanish, and, and white community within that zone. And that's coming along well. Uh, next year, we want to have one in Brownsville to sort of now bridge the gap on the outskirts of the city to have that access available. So it, it's you, you have to go into the community to say, hey, running is not strange. Running doesn't require a Nike pair of shoes. Running doesn't require all the fancy gear. Let's focus about health. Simple. Just about health fun? and wellness. What about fun? I think very key is the celebration after these run clubs. I mean, that's Absolutely. what every great run club. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I heard you say it. It's about, you know, health as like health is uh, is power, is money, whatever. Something, whatever, I kind of wrote it down. There's a tagline you said about health being like the new wealth kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like more than that, it's, it's fun. Like it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a thrill mm-hmm. and it's really healthy and you get to... I like focusing on the party aspect. <laughs> so it is a party. When everyone well, sure. runs together and gets high together and then you end at a cool spot and you have food and drink and maybe one drink, just one drink after a nice five mile run with friends, like yeah. that's all you need. And you can sleep great after and it's not overdoing it and you're yeah. still feeling really high. So I think focusing on the party aspect is like really important. So these run clubs should all have a like a end at a bar or, or a restaurant decent food options and it should be a, a celebration of family eating together at the end every time and I think if a run club's missing that it's not going to carry much momentum long term because it's not fun so I think the fun is what you got to focus on you got to really focus on where is the after run celebration happening let's focus on these celebrations because that's what makes it exciting that's what makes it addictive uh, and so I think you know most like Lakeview we end up going to Wrigley um, mm-hmm. and Universal Souls, we have them going always to, uh, like in, on Lincoln Ave, uh, the same bar over there. And so, yeah, for me, it's like, it's a family facing the fear of not running and overcoming that every week and then have, celebrating with a meal and feeling amazing, getting great sleep. So I think celebrating is key. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort of add a little anecdote to the term that you're calling party that I 
All right, well, let's sit back for that. I mean, I think we'll sit back uh, for these podcasts. We don't usually eat on them, but we're going to sit back and enjoy here. Yeah. Uh, oh, <clears throat> that feels good. So I, I, I think one, I mean, you call it the party, but I think it's social, right? It's trying to create a social aspect of getting people together to run or, or to jog, whatever it is. It could be jog, run, run, walk, whatever you want to call it. Because it's really not about partying. Or something it's about just social and getting together so for I'm instance, sorry that I said party you're right no but, but, but that's okay but that's part I, of again it's the messaging right it's for me for me it's a party but like the well, party, party makes it sound like people are dancing and it's, right, right. It's over and the it's top not, and it's not that it's they just more. want to be social to have that aspect for instance one of the slogans of Kara is the power of the group that's what you're providing people that come together for a cause or any particular thing you want to call it, that are doing it together. And by having them together, that's the social aspects that that takes all of the you know umbrellas that are keeping running into this privileged segment of society and saying that it's open to everybody because it's a social aspect to what you're participating in. And you can do it with family. You can have kids come at it. You can come in your wheelchair if that's, you know, uh, if you're not an able-bodied person because it's about being social with the groups of people that are around you. And the more that you do, the better it gets. And that's what we create in those run crews out west where Kara is to create this, the social aspect to get them out of their couch to just be there. And once they're there, then they'll tell their mother and they tell their friends and they tell the neighbor and, and then it starts to grow. Um, the one in Austin is amazing. It's about at least about twenty people now, and that's a lot. Yeah. We started this in January, and it came out in the cold to, to run slash jog, and all they need is a little bit of an incentive and support from Kara to get them there. You know, the the other places do the same. CES has um, through Fleet Feet. They have like fun runs that that's around as well. They also have uh, they also have you know like you have your art walk. They have art-related type runs as well through Ravenswood is right next to it. So through Lincoln Square, they do a run through there. They do uh, another one through Lincoln Square. So it's really about creating a social aspect and people will come for it. How do you find the leaders of these clubs? Like how do you go about starting one? Well, for Kara specific, uh, we have the program director that goes out and says, hey, let's communicate with the church and the community center and the police station to say, we're going to, we're doing this, here's a link, get folks to sign up and show up and we will lead it up to a point where we can have someone in that group become the leader. Mm. That's what's happened in Austin, that's what's happening in Market Park, there's one now in Humble Park doing the same thing that you provide the mechanism because you need to and then once it gets started then it just rolls on its own and it grows so right so I guess <clears throat> that's very important and I think it's something that takes I guess some marketing to it or, or having people in charge of doing all that I know you mentioned somewhere in that article that you guys have like a, a sponsor or is it a secret sponsor like who, who's someone's putting money behind putting these run clubs yeah together? so for for Kara we had um we have a funder that is interested in trying to manage um, the challenges of access. Why anonymous? Is it a funder you can? <clears throat> no, he actually he's not anonymous. Oh, Steve Steve Sarowitz. Um, he's Sarowitz? he uh, yeah. Sarowitz. 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 Um, he um, 
is the founder of Paylocity. You know Paylocity? Paylocity is it's like ADP in terms of checks. Um, Paylocity is a platform that handles all the financial related aspects to an employee and in a firm. Um, everything from your benefits is on there. It tracks your pay. You can do time on and off. Well, he founded Paylocity, and Paylocity is fairly big. And he's done some other entrepreneurial work. And last year, he was kind of taken back by what was going on and said, you know, I am a lifetime member of Carol, which he is. He says, well, what, what can we do about this? This is bothering me. What can we do? And we put a committee together with Kara and said, what we want to do is get into the neighborhoods, provide the opportunity, get a, a committee, a DEI committee, which we have, to focus on these kinds of issues, to talk about it. What do we think the problems are? What the access will be? And then we get out in the neighborhood and get going. So he was the person that started to fund that effort and we've continued to today and looking to do more. We also have a Goal Runs. Um, it's a free 5K around the parks in the city that is funded by the Chicago Park District. Mm -hmm. So there's Warren Park, Jackson Park, Washington Park, Douglas Park, and it's a five kilometer race that's timed, distanced, and anyone from the neighborhood can come and it's free and it's accessible. Um, and it's like that every weekend and it just floats around on our website. So that's a great way that we knew for sure provide access. Because Douglas Park doesn't see a race all the time. Washington Park doesn't see a race mm -hmm. all the time. So already we had created that and he certainly knew about it as a funder and added more to it to get the run crews now to expand into other areas, which is what we've done. So it's, it's a great program that's just gonna grow more and more as people are seeing that the underserved communities are actually getting incorporated in this great sport that is so natural to everyone. Well, well spoken. I mean, this is something that's very unique. Almost. I don't think every city has this, and that's something that we'd love to see more of, I think. You know, one one goal of mine with the podcast network is to promote running mm -hmm. and shine a light on what groups are available. And yeah, I think what's happening here is beautiful and mm -hmm. is going to keep growing. And so it does take some outside investment and some sponsoring. It takes people having benevolent hearts and saying running is important to the mental health of the community. Uh, and so, yeah, do you think like one day I guess one day is run clubs like just like universally like everywhere. I mean, well, actually, what I'm curious about that is what do you think is so we see at Lakeview like the bigger a run club gets, the more people are free to come because they they don't feel like self conscious, they yeah. won't notice, yeah. they yeah. feel like they can blend into the crowd. Mm -hmm. It's like a festival vibe, and yeah. when it gets that tipping point, it starts to get accelerate, and then they're pretty much I can see them in a year or two t taking over all of Wrigleyville, like literally just they're splitting out in bars, like many bars at the end, you know, like a festival every Tuesday. And it's like, that's kind of what it's starting to become. Uh, but the challenge with run clubs is they only last for so long because they don't have the support mechanism, right? What do you mean by that? Like, they, they just don't last long. Although some of the because leaders get tired the, or exactly, leaders That's something. exactly it. The leaders get tired of it because they have no support. So it's all based on how much time does that person have? To keep going with it because so that's that's why Kara doing the run crews we are supporting to make sure that what they need 
we can provide. So if that leader changes, the support mechanism doesn't go away. It's always there. Which is why some groups like CES is connected to FLIFI, right? Because whatever these groups are doing, they still need that homing source that can help support them. Fleet Feet is there. They got the shoes, the gear, all the equipment, mm-hmm. all that other stuff. And you can always have that connection so that run groups are not disappearing as soon as the leader says, I'm done. Right. So Lakeview may be growing, but it might just be a fab until it goes dead. Right. So you'll get a solid year, maybe a solid year and a half. Then it's going to be a question on does someone actually make an official club and start having rules and fees and because it takes money, right? right. Who's going to fund a club without having a structure? No one's going to do that. So everyone's going to chip in, which is great at the start because everyone's excited, and then it just dies off. Mm. So that's the problem with run clubs. Yeah. Well, in Miami, uh, Nike has come in there and sponsored mm-hmm. South Beach Run Club and Brickle Run Club and massive run clubs Fricky Ruiz runs it over there mm-hmm. and that's what I would like to see is one of these brands I, ideally we and a brand come together in a beautiful marriage forever and mm-hmm. bring this podcast around and every city we're focused on sustaining these run clubs kind of like Kara does or even working with clubs, stuff like Kara and ensuring that these clubs stay active and supporting them perhaps even giving the, or ensuring that the leaders don't get tired, they do, replacing them, mm-hmm. uh, even paying a little bit at, at some points to ensure that, or lessons that you can always share about how to maintain that or, or you know, make sure that run clubs stay alive. But I think it does take an external third party source to really make it stable. Yeah. And that's what one of these brands is welcome to step in and do and change the world, really. I mean, change, Started with the U.S. obviously, I mean, running is big already, but I think definitely this just makes a stronger world for everybody, right? To, no, to for sure. This. I mean, you know, a, a few years ago, maybe about five years ago, the Nike Run Club was in Chicago. It worked out great until Nike didn't want to put the effort in it, and they all died. So Nike all of them got tired of, of working on it, kind of thing. I mean, I don't know what it was, but Nike Run Club doesn't exist anymore, and it was pretty big in Chicago including all of the other groups that were going on. They were sponsoring it. They were throwing gear at the leaders. They had running coaches that were Nike. And then it just died. Maybe it was a corporate issue, or maybe it was just the interest from a company that size needs a certain amount of individuals involved, right? But otherwise, it's not worth it to them. Because it's not, you know, you have to think almost from the standpoint if it's a social cause that pushes their brand, then great. If it doesn't push their brand, now what? Well, why wouldn't it push their brand? Like, a big run club, like, I mean... You would think. I think you're putting your brand directly in front of the most sportive, active people, social people in the community. It's like a great investment. I think where it may be faltered is just the organization and Mm -hmm. having a clear leader. So that's where, in every city, there's a local voices host who's part of his job is to ensure the health of these run clubs mm-hmm. and Nike's paying his his you know life his salary with mm-hmm. with a sponsorship for the overall podcast that kind of ensures that these run clubs stay active now we as local voices podcast organization take responsibility sure. that's really where it needs to be i think maybe even another fourth party needs to take responsibility over these run clubs but 
the money might need to come from a benevolent source that says, you know, let's support this in the environment. And I think that is something that that is part of fundraising. That's part of a skill that I'm looking to acquire because I'm very passionate about uh, motivating wealthy individuals to share more and give back to the community. Because I always like to use the analogy of we used to be hunter gatherers. We would go around, we would hunt together. Someone would shoot the big moose and everyone would share and party and celebrate. Mm -hmm. And then we, agriculture society, we invented fridges and storehouses and started basically hoarding things and having private wealth. And now I'm, I just want us to share and come back to that, that world where we share more. And so here's the thing, that's great and all, but you gotta make it fun. And that's where I make it fun. So I, I wanna actually make a tithing app where you basically say, okay, this is my income yearly. And if it goes up, you honestly just say, okay, my new yearly income is this. Mm-hmm. And I don't think giving to the government is the same because the government is something that runs great streets, great schools, great things. It's great, but it's it's not to feed your soul, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not the same as giving back from all the gifts that you've been given to reach success, right? And so just paying your taxes is not does not feed your soul. Uh, and so I want to develop like a platform, a tithing app where... You say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm Tom Brady. I made this much this year, and this is how much I get to give away. He gets to give that away. Like it's it's fun. Let's make it fun. So what I mean by that is, whatever your monthly, I like focusing on monthly donations. So like whatever your monthly donation is, now you get to, with this app, you get to pick from cool partners. But like, I'm not about. I know there's already charity or apps like that. I want it all to be interactive, it's like Instagram based. Like imagine you had an Instagram that you could open that was just the charities that you're supporting and you could just like get a little happy boost from like looking at the smiles of people you're helping. But like I would want every single partner on that platform to provide video, constant videos and updates and social and photos of what's happening. Mm-hmm. I want it to, you know, that's where you, people get lost in the whole funder and the whole charity thing is at some point you're like, oh, are they really going to use my money well? Like, come on, I, I don't, I don't see what's going on. I don't believe it. That's why you don't give money to a homeless guy on the street. You're like, it's going to go into the liquor store. Like, why should I give them money? So that's where like clear, trusted sources. So like here in Chicago, my favorite brands are, our favorite charities are um, my block, my my city, Jamal Cole. You got uh, uh, hip hop, mental health. Um, you got you know stuff like Care for Friends, which like delivers food to families all over the city. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some, maybe some organizations in Chicago that I haven't heard about yet that are, that are good? I mean, I know Back on My Feet is one that it helps the homeless kind of, you know, um, you know, come out of the zone that they typically are in. Um, and they're actually, uh, have been pretty good about getting some runners or at least focus on health a little bit more. So Back on My Feet is great in the city. There are others, I, I don't know a ton of them because Chicago is certainly a place with a lot of nonprofits. Uh, they handle so many different causes, but uh, in terms of running, I know back at my feet, I've seen uh, before, they have run both with CES and also uh, with CARA. Uh, but there, there are so many organizations that try and, and, and bridge that gap, uh, the social economic gap on anything, whether it's living, whether it's you know nutrition and getting food, or, or just simple health and wellness. So they're all trying to do that in so, so many ways. 
there's La Casa Norte, which is on the west side um, of Chicago, that's dealing with, you know, sort of single mothers that are homeless, they have housing for them, they have training for them, they eventually get in place to get a job, so doing some great stuff um, that's all around the city, so. Yeah, uh, it's funny you say that. Uh, well, actually, first I'm gonna shout out. I met them at Sundays on State, and uh, Missy's gonna come interview uh, anytime now. And she, it's Paint the City, mm. and they're the same thing. They're sponsored by Tesla, helped them out recently, and they want basically pay uh, mural artists to go into schools and in cities and basically add color mm. to up. Because that's like what I, one of the most powerful things I learned is how quickly color and art can change. The vibe in a city much faster than taking kids on field trips like you, that changes a life long term but like you change the art and the color in a, in a, in a neighborhood instantly crime like dissolves instantly people are happier it's powerful overnight color so paint the city is like my new favorite uh charity hmm. um but you mentioned back on my feet uh, this is kind of like my kickstart episode for Fun. I'm not gonna procrastinate or major. I got a fundraise, two thousand dollars, girl. How much? How much you want to donate for me? Huh? For my for my two thousand dollars? I'm gonna put you on the spot here. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. I'll get back to it. That that was rude of me right there. Put you on the spot in the podcast like that. No, we should, it, honestly, when it'll you be, give, you don't, be a financial value. Don't brag about what you give and don't advertise it. So like that's where, you know, I got it's. Honestly, good taste that you didn't say what you were going to get. So, you know, I'm a firm believer in time. Time, for oh, me, oh, is, yeah. is an amazingly expensive, yes. unqualified um, aspect because I give a lot of time and I can't put a value on it. It's true. Uh, and it definitely is, let's say it's also intrinsically rewarding mm-hmm. uh, to give and be close. And that's where, so with this tithing app where I motivate stars and athletes to give 10%, I'm also going to include challenges for them to become a part of that organization and help in some way, mm-hmm. whether recording a certain video for that organization or volunteering at certain events. Hey, all the organizations that you donate to monthly, here are all the events, volunteering events that are happening. So like you have opened up a calendar of all the volunteering events possible for these stars. Um, and so like we have these Emmys on today, all these stars that they're not more happier than any one of you and me. They have their own problems to deal with. They have extra stress, right? Because they have extra decision-making power and how to properly give back for everything they've been gifted and, and opportunity. And, and so they have, it's hard to live with yourself sometimes when you're rich, but that's where I want to help with this app. But it's not, I don't even know, like sometimes I just get off track on crazy ideas. Like I got a lot of ideas, but this is we kind of a format to kind of structure those. Um, I mean, I mean, you know, there's, there, there's, there's no fewer opportunities to provide engagement for people. And that's adults and kids, right? Um, my, my day job is an architect and I do and now focus on planning and design primarily with Chicago Public Schools and it's been at least for the last almost 10 years where color has been a part of all of the renovations in the schools around the city because we understand that color is important right so that the school color if it's brown or red or orange or blue that that is permeated throughout the entire school. So the lockers have the color. Mm. Uh, there is an accent color inside every classroom that that is identified as one way for the kids to understand how to interact with that space. Now, there are studies, and I have not looked into this to research, that too much color is not necessarily positive <laughs> to kids. 
Alright? Again, I'm not a scientist, <laughs> but please look at that. Okay, yeah, sure. Because I think there is a percentage of color that's great, but I don't think over-coloring is positive, at least to kids. Okay. Now, adults, I think, interact with it differently because I think adults are thinking not just color, but color and texture and meaning and all these other things that are associated with it. And that's why we get excited about it as adults, right? We see all of that. Kids don't really see that. What about, I agree with you. I mean, I see, I wear a lot of black v-necks and, and black shorts. I mean, I'm wearing black a lot of times, you know, like simple. Like, yeah. I don't want to like, I'm not like, I don't express myself with my, my clothing that much, to be honest. And uh, I my apartment in Miami is like a lot of white walls. So I just like the simplicity of it, you know, mm -hmm. and like the clarity. And um, So, yeah, I, honestly, like, I haven't colored my own life that much and I'm fine with it. So, I get what you're saying. Uh, I think more important is, simple positive uh kind of messaging around us and i think that's great like one of, one of my favorite gyms have just like just random words that just get me high like and it's like just like positive more positive stuff in mm -hmm. our surroundings but we don't yeah. want to over clutter either yeah. um but anyway we're a bit off topic i do want to talk about the marathon because i have no idea over that you know like i'm kind of doing this just like as i'm doing <laughs> Compared to someone who's a trainer and who runs an organization for runners and prepare them, and I'm like taking advantage of none of that and, and just suffering, suffering, suffering myself, uh, my own decision. But uh, with all that, all, that all said, uh, what, what is this marathon coming up? Like, what's the route? Walk me through maybe what right. it's going to be like. Where are we going to start? That. So uh, the Chicago Marathon started back in the late 70s. I think it was 77 or 78 was the first one. Uh, in Chicago, and I, I think it was kind of run onto the trail that is now the running trail along the lakefront. And of course, it's grown from 1977, 78 to where we are now. That it's now, I think the demographics is about 50% men and women, mm -hmm. which, which is an amazing feat because it was a male dominated sport for a very, very long time until women start to get a part of it. And now there's a almost a slightly higher percentage of women and a lot of the um, sports than, than anything. And even interestingly enough, the inner city run crews that we have have more women there than men. So the trend is that women are getting way more, much faster into the sport than men are. But the Chicago Marathon is in the city of Chicago. It always has great big funders before Bank of America was LaSalle Bank for many years. And this is the 20th time that I'm running it. Uh, the, the best part about it are the neighborhoods, right? So you're starting downtown, you know, between zero and kind of mile three or four, you're in the thick of downtown around the high rises. So the sound is very loud. The people who are there, there's quite a bit of residential downtown now. So you get a lot of crowds in a very tight, small area through a canyon of high-rises that gets super, super loud. So that's exciting. Mm. Then you come out of that and you start to work your way up River North, coming up to Lincoln Park where you're around mile five to mile seven, where it's thinning a little bit, but now you're getting a feel for the city and some of its cultural elements, right? So River North is a little bit different, quite a bit of galleries, you know, a little bit of boutique shops and you're running through that and people are sort of looking out their window like, why in the hell are they doing this? But 
you're running through through a neighborhood that tends to be um, more kind of enclosed because you're coming out of the slightly more affluent neighborhood. So they're not really connected to the street in the same way. But then you get to Lincoln Park, right? Well, Lincoln Park now really associates with the lakefront. And it is kind of the open, you could, you know, there's, there's a conservatory that's there at uh, Fullerton. And then you have all of the connection to all of the residential that runs up north. So mile seven to nine is that zone where you're going through slightly getting to higher density along the path because then you're working your way up to Lakeview. When you make that turn up on Addison, that is now, of course, Boys Town, lots of activity. People are super excited. And you get the feel how energetic that area is. And mile seven to nine, you're still getting your groove, like you're not there, right? Then now you're working your way back south and going into Old Town, where again, kind of really jam-packed, but they're mostly single families, one kid, two kids, you know, kind of middle generation um, um, uh, density that's there, you know, with smaller shops, you don't have a lot of big um, box, you know, type stores. So it gets to be very intimate because the streets have trees that have been there for a while, three flats that have been there for a while, meeting late 1800s, early 1900s. So it has this kind of really tight feel. You know, Sheffield is one of those streets that you run down all the way to North Avenue, and it just feels kind of quaint and, and, uh, um, and interesting, and it's lined really well with trees. So you get that feeling like you're being protected in that zone, mm. which is kind of nice, and it's a great experience. Then you kind of shift your way um, around to LaSalle, working your way now back towards downtown, which is sort of between miles nine to about mile 12. And during those three miles, you're gonna be going now from neighborhood type areas in back into downtown. So it's like a shock going from that really tight little small streets and big trees and big canopies over the street into downtown with zero trees, high rises, and people there. So there's an adjustment there where where you feel like you're protected at mile seven, but then you feel like somebody's just throwing you to the wolves downtown. So there's an adjustment to kind of get your energy to readjust to as if you're like in the desert, like no one's supporting you, even though there are lots of people downtown, but it's a different kind yeah, of Yeah, for sure. And then when you hit mile 11, 12, then you're turning and you're heading now west into Greektown. And, mm -hmm. and that's about the halfway point. You know, Greektown has its cultural sort of iconic aspects to it in terms of food and people and so forth. And you're, you're, you're getting, you know, into sort of the townhouse slash loft district, right? So it's a different kind of housing. It's not, a, it's not like apartment based like it is, you know, up at Addison. What you're getting are like the larger lofts, uh, condominiums, uh, more mid-rise apartments. You don't get a lot of single family because that area is not set up that way. So you head down, you pass Greek Town, you head all the way west to Ashland Avenue. And you, now you're turning, you're heading back east. It's only just a few blocks away from where um, um, Jackson, which heads west. And then you come to where kind of the UIC corridor is. So University of Illinois, Chicago, it's the 
the one of the three major branches of the U of I public system, the Champaign down south, Chicago is here, the Springfield, and then there's PR also that has a kind of a medical campus that's there. So at UIC, now you're getting the flavor of the younger generation, right? So the, you know, the, the 20 year olds, the 25 year olds, you know, clearly the less than 30s, uh, graduate students and students that, that have a different flair about it, right? Mm -hmm. It's as if you have cheerleaders all of a sudden. Okay. So it's right a when you need it too. Like right when you need it, right? Yeah. So this is now, now we're in the mouth 13, 13 to 15, so to speak, while you come around UIC. Then you head west again. You're going through a fairly historic neighborhood called uh, Tri Taylor. Lots of Italians settled in this area. Um, one of the major things that was part of UIC is that when UIC came in about 1967, 1968 from Navy Pier, they moved the University of Illinois from there onto the current site that it is and they displaced the Italians that were there. So, that, so they have a kind of a long lifetime animosity towards UIC because they were completely displaced by this university that came there. And this was under uh, Daly, the dad. You head west, try Taylor. Um, again, it's a lot of ex extended generations of Italians. It doesn't go, the race doesn't go too far. Um, it gets to Ashland Avenue. And then it turns, it's head, now heading south. It's heading south to Pilsen. Pilsen is like the opposite of Tri-Taylor, right? Tri-Taylor is predominantly white. It doesn't have much cultural um, diversity in it, although they try and claim that they are. I think they don't have it at all. But nevertheless, that's my opinion, not the only one else's. And then you're going into Pilsen, and Pilsen is about the most energetic uh, uh, group of folks that are there. They come out, they, they have bananas, they have oranges on the path, uh, in, yeah. the, uh, the mariachi bands are there. They, they are clanking and making loud noises as soon as you make that turn on 18th Street. I guess gotta make it Pilsen. I just gotta make it to Pilsen, they're gonna lift me up over there. So yeah. Pilsen is about 17, 18. Okay. So you're getting into that zone, which you haven't reached yet. I know you're working on it, but <laughs> it's that zone that you, that at this point, having Pilsen be so energetic is supposed to lift you up, right? Is it because so you design it that way? Think? No, I think it's just trying to make it through the neighborhoods. And it just it just happened. It just way. happened That's to be for you, right? Yeah. And then now you're heading east toward on, on 18th Street until you hit Halsted, which is around the neighborhood yeah. of University Village. And now you're heading south towards Bridgeport in Chinatown. But you, have, you don't hit Chinatown yet. You're gonna hit south before you make the left. So Bridgeport is it's a fairly dead zone. There's not much there. Oh. Bridgeport was was the um, you know, area where the stockyards were way back in the early part of the century because um, Chicago was one of the largest uh, uh, um, stockyards for uh, beef and, and swine. Important. So those were the two big things here. So you make that turn, you head up Archer Avenue, and now you're heading into Chinatown. So Chinatown has the same crazy, energetic group of folks, just like Pilsen does. So when you get to Chinatown, now you see the dragons and uh, you know all of the flares, and it's really exciting. Now you're hitting mile 1920. So now the body is telling you, I'm done. What are you going to do? Right? Yeah. So this is that threshold where you know that your body shouldn't be there. It's telling you it doesn't want to be there. Now, what are you doing or have done 
that you can continue for that last six miles. Because mm-hmm. now it, that's one of the hardest pieces, the yeah. last six miles. So you go from Chinatown and you're heading straight south and you hit Comiskey Park. That's another hot spot that's really the connection of um, Bridgeport, which is just to the west, the expressway, which divides really the east and west of that area, but then you've got White Sox Park that's sitting right mm-hmm. at the corner with, again, a lot of energy that kind of pushes through. Once you cross that, you're now at about a mile 22, 23, where you're hitting IIT campus. Dead. Because there's nobody there. The students aren't there. It's a Sunday morning. Yeah. If they're in their dormitories, you're not going to get anything. So this is a tough little uh, period within the six miles where you're trying to figure out, we've got less than six miles to go. I don't have a ton of support. I now have to use the runners as my crowd and a little bit of the crowds that are out there. Sometimes around this area, people start to hand out little cups of beer too, so you have your choice. Whether, <laughs> whether you want to party some more, you can get a few of those. And then you head east until you hit Michigan Avenue. So when you hit Michigan Avenue, that's a mile, mile 24. So there's literally two and a half miles, and then you make a turn on Roosevelt Road. But that is one of the toughest two and a half miles because it is straight. You know somewhere down there is Roosevelt Road to make that turn. So you're coming from 35th Street all the way up to 12th Street. And when you make that turn on Roosevelt Road, everybody hates Roosevelt because it's a hill that goes up oh, to the top of it. Come on. And when you make that hill, you make the turn, you can see the finish line, and that's the point too. And if you manage that hill, then it's a slight gradation going down to the finish line. You go downhill to the finish line? You go downhill a little bit to the finish line. It's all worth it. Which is, which is on, on Columbus Avenue. But you've got the crowds that are on stands, both sides, screaming at the top of their lungs. And it's just a great experience. So that's that's some 0 to 26. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if anyone in Chicago could have done that better than you. Like, literally, I guess I don't even need to run it anymore. Like, I, already, I already did. <laughs> Well, that, that's the thing I've learned. I mean, I, I paced the marathon uh, 12 years in a row from uh, 90, what is it, 2005 to 2016. And every time I paced it, I was paying attention. First, it was the architecture, because as an architect, I'm paying attention to that. But then it went to the neighborhoods and the culture and the differences and why they're different, right? Why is Greektown any different mm-hmm. than Boys Town or Chinatown or Pilsen? And you just get down to the minutiae to understand that's why it's important, right? Pilsen is important because the way they energize about the sport is just amazing. It's so natural and it's 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 effortless, right? It's like they're not trying hard versus River North where it's like, why are you people running, right? It's like the more affluent tend to think, like, why the hell are they running? Where the folks in the neighborhood are like, Pilsen, like, oh, God darn it, come on, go, 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 go. And then you get to see those differences. Yeah, it's like a big uh, mind, excuse my friends, mind fuck. It's like, to, to, to see every neighborhood like that. And, and there's, it's really a different perspective than you would get, you know, driving around yeah. or, because you're literally out and you're, you know, 360 view and Absolutely. you're not wearing a helmet. Like, Absolutely. So. You gotta, you have to use the crowd in Chicago. It's there for a reason. You know, you go through all these neighborhoods. Take a look at what's around you. You know, you should be running, looking left and right, right. and not focused on the ground, which you should never look at any of when you run. You should always look ahead. This is going to be so exciting because, for me, 
uh, running the Lake Shore Trail is starting to get boring, right? So this is going to be so fun because, mm-hmm. like, you know, for me, that's always the biggest thrill. So like, run through neighborhoods that you otherwise could never run through because mm-hmm. there'd be too many stops and stop signs and, and red, red lights. And so it's like, it's now marathon day is going to be a blast. I'm not worried. I'm really just worried about this 20. I'm worried. I'm really just <laughs> dreading this 20 miler that you told me now I have to run, which no, I want, I already planned on running it. I was hoping you would give me an easy out, but that's obviously not the case. So my three quarters birthday week is going to have to include a 20 miler and that, that, it's going to be one of my funnest weeks of all time. So I think that'll be fine. I'll, I'll be able to push through with energy. My sister's coming. I mean, really that, that 20 miler is so, tough. So I'll give you a suggestion. If your sister is coming, why don't you have her hop on a diggy bike uh-huh. and ride next to you? That is great. She idea. can see the city. You can show her the things that you know and have an opportunity to spend some time and add mm-hmm. some miles with her. She would love that. There are divvies all over the place. Okay, you're going to be running for, I don't know, a couple of hours or so. You can park the divvies and re you know, kind of rehook it every 30 minutes, I think is the time zone yeah. now. And just keep popping divvies along the way. Let her research where the divvy stations are along your path. She'll know where they are every 30 minutes. And then you can just bloop, 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 and just keep going. She, that, that would be a great opportunity for her to be out and hopefully it's good weather. And then you can, and she can bring some nutrition in the backpack and be a part of the process. Oh, this is awesome. Bring water and, right. and then you, you can both hopefully enjoy it. All right. This is like, <laughs> you're, this is, this is, thank God I interviewed you tonight. Like, oh my God. Because like, I chat with her every Monday and we're like, yeah, let's plan the weekend. And uh, I guess that's a great idea because it's beautiful even just biking that, oh, yeah. that, that route that I take in. Yeah. And if it's not a divvy, just get her a normal bike and you don't have to worry about it. And she can be part of it, right? Part of the experience than just kind of sitting at home waiting for you to come back. Right. right. Go out and, and pick, pick a good time. And there's hydration stations on the lakefront. So you can partake in that, but she can bring you know, a, a, a cereal bar, you know, things that you need energy mm. from, you know, a banana with you. She could have a bagel in her mm. backpack. She could, you know, she can have some peanut butter. She can have some, uh, you know, things that will be the extra nutrition you're going to need, but then she could be part of the process, yeah. which, which would be fun. It'd be great for her. That's beautiful. All right, man, we could talk all day about <laughs> running <laughs> and stuff. I mean, it's going to be one of the longest podcasts ever, but I think it's worth it. I think this is so important to uh inspire inspire more people and to that point what is what has been one secret for you like to inspire more people to be active like what is like your secret sauce or like what would you say something you've learned so you can share about how to inspire you know someone asked me recently um a question on how do you get people to start running i said well it's really not about running it's just about exercise and it's all in the brain it's all in the brain and I, I used an example. I said, well, you know, people say, well, I'm not a runner, I'm not a runner. And I said, okay, let me give you this scenario. Let's assume you're in a big shopping mall and you're at the door of the shopping mall and your car is on the other end of the shopping mall and you see it and you're about to get towed. Aren't you going to run your ass to your car? Of course you will. So you know how to run when it matters, but you don't want to run when it's exercise. And it's just your head telling you one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So if anything, I would say focus on health and wellness and exercise. Running is a word. Nike is a word. Running shoes. They're all things that are just tools. We don't need those tools. What we need is our mind to be in the position to activate. 
Once we do that, everything else is a piece of cake. Inertia, overcoming inertia, and and basically motivating people to see that it's not a, it's not like it's not a choice. It needs to become just part of who you are. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. something that you do, and you don't question, and you don't even say, oh. Maybe I won't go. Like that never enters your head no. after a certain amount of time because you're just like a robot and you just, you program that in your week and you say, no matter what I'm doing. And what helps is sometimes just kickstarting the habits is sharing your goals with friends and family saying, hey, and now pick a race, pick a race to train for. And that's hey, tell your friends and family, I'm doing this race. Yeah. And then now you have to do it. Be true to your word, right? And say, I go to this run club every week and tell people that you do that. And, and, and basically share your goals and make and share make let your family come part of it and so yeah. i mean that's what races allow people to do is and and that's what's great is a lot of people fundraising for great causes and yeah it's gonna be one of my funnest weeks of all time because i i get to fundraise finally and i waited till i got close enough and felt felt close enough to accomplishing it uh that i could really get excited but i think it's going to come really fast all my friends are going to yeah. help and it's gonna be so the energy's fun. there. The energy's, energy's there. there, both for you and everyone else that's gonna learn about it. Right. Plus, I'm probably coming right after. Probably everyone else fundraised way earlier, right? So yes. I'm like, yes. so like it's been a month or two so since some of these people didn't ask for anything. Maybe for, like I'm coming in at a good time, like yeah. late, right? <laughs> so anyway, watch out if you're listening to this podcast. You uh, you don't owe me. But Back at My Feet is an amazing organization. They, I, I led a run club team there in San Francisco, and I'm not gonna lie, like those guys, they, they, they basically change communities and and basically give give people who maybe fell on hard times and, and down luck in life, they give them new hope and new opportunities to, yep. for jobs and, and a new creation of life. And look, the kids are the future, but. You know, we a perfect world. We also take care of, of those who've hit hard times, and uh, we don't judge them. We help them, and, and this is some way that you know. Next time you see a homeless person, either give them a subway gift card, which is one of my. I gotta get some more of those, but I like giving out subway gift cards. Mm-hmm. But also, if you're supporting some organization that helps with the problem, you're able to walk away a little better. Say, hey, you know, have you been to this organization before? You know, they are able to help you, but like. Anyway, just like do something to help the problem, right? Yeah. And then, and you know, obviously, we all come across that every day. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's messaging, right? We have to get ourselves out of a hole. We're stuck there. We we got to think that we're not the only ones. There are other people out there. We can share the knowledge, share the experience, and just bridge the gap. The more that we do, the better off we all will be. So. Right. What's one uh, good habit? Is this obviously people answer this some. Some people will say, oh, I just, you know, stay positive. But, like, what's maybe some secrets of curl, like, uh, you know, secret curl sauce here? Like, what is something that you do in the mornings or daily, like, that really defines you, makes you unique, and contributes to your energy? I mean, that's it's a question that will require some time to figure out. But I think it's just being, um, being patient for sure and reminding myself that patience is not a given right something you have to work at and 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 part of that is clearly being tolerant being open-minded and and less restrained because that allows again kind of the mind to free itself up and not be so rigid and and um you know have levels of expectations to to be able to you know come into a podcast with local voices because why not i mean it's a way to 
expand, think about different things, talk about something that you like and love and sharing it with other people. So that's, I think it's patience and tolerance, I guess. Interesting. Okay. Patience for me is about enjoying the process, enjoying life, enjoying every step. Uh, but like you have to remind yourself that constantly. Like that's one of my favorite mantras is like enjoy every step of today. Yeah. And you really have to just keep reminding yourself because otherwise it's just be like, oh, I got to get through all this stuff. Uh, and there's ways to like change your mindset about it. Yeah. For um, sure. But uh, all right. So last question we usually do. I know some people say, oh, you should ask me this before, but I still like to see what just comes to mind right away. When you look at Chicago, um, who are some characters you admire, people that could be on that podcast and have a good time? Um, I mean, certainly there are lots of, you know, fellow colleagues that are architects that some are runners and some are not, but have a very interesting look on the city in terms of the practice and what they're doing. Um, uh, there are a number of some, some that I've, I've, they've been colleagues either when I was teaching as a professor at UIC um, or IIT, there's, there's been a number of different institutions I've thought that are great folks that are looking at the socioeconomic opportunities through architecture and making a change either through public structures or public space. Those are great. Lots of other runners that I run with. All right, I, I, I gotta simplify this. Who's your favorite Chicago celebrity? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's like my new question now because like I can get those guys on here because like it's. it's I, I think I'm gonna stick with Oprah. I, I think Oprah was the best. She, I think she still has a heart in this city. Really? Well, she used to have a mural, and it's gone. It got construction over it. Like, yeah. I tried, we tried. I thought we could go our walk over there, but no, it's gone. I yeah. mean, she's gone. But Oprah, but let's bring you back here. Let's hey, let's work with Paint the City, this this awesome organization. We can get a new Oprah mural up there <laughs> for the kids. All right, Oprah, if you're listening, I love you. It's chilly. Send a check. Waiting for you. <laughs> Send a check to back of my feet. Um, and yeah, I mean, Chicago's got. Think about Chicago, a lot of the greatest people have left. I mean, Scotty is, is a great active force in the community. Uh, I'd say a lot of the celebrities have left Chicago. That's why I'm probably going to go to LA next summer. But there's so many people who were who birthed their 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 magnificence in this city. And, and for example, like the Obamas and Michelle is mm-hmm. a dream interview for me. I, I think I do want to close out the podcast with some we've had like five straight dudes and like there's just like it's an, I like keeping it as balanced as possible. So I, I don't know. I'd love some women energy coming through here, making it fun. So Ooh. Oprah or Michelle, the uh, dream come true. <laughs> Stop on by. Stop on by. The chili's good. That's right. And uh, depending on the spiciness, I I could have made it more spicy. I I, I really didn't know. Uh, I didn't want to ruin the night either. So um, but uh, anyhow, whatever your spiciness is, I got you. And uh, yeah, let's keep enjoying these conversations about. Uh, community and, and making it better and God I've just been impressed with Chicago in general just uh, in general there's just great great people here great organizations great charities and it's like you fast forward 20 years 30 years we're getting into that beautiful utopia I mean every, there's always going to be uh, suffering and, and hardship but the world's wow beautiful yeah. Yeah. Chicago's awesome Chicago's awesome I think we end on that I mean uh I don't know. I don't know what else to say. It's definitely, uh, definitely unique. So, thanks for coming, man. I'm excited to run this marathon and uh, have some fun. I guess I will probably never see you on the marathon until the finish line. If you're partying over there, I'll come by a half hour, hour later than you. What's your pace going to be? I guess that's the last. You know, I'm, I'm just going to run a, a, a comfortable 10:30 pace and just work my way through it. Again, taking advantage of the city. So. 
Yeah. All right. Well, actually, I don't want to say. I have no idea what I'm gonna run, but I'm um, excited. What will you do? What's your any post run uh, rituals? Um, I mean, it's recovery, so allow yourself to to be mobile as much as you can. So walk. Don't just sit around because yeah. <laughs> that's not gonna help you. But you know, that's a good time to actually walk around the city. Yeah. Okay. You know, kind of, kind of flex out. Yeah. All right. And then uh, pre-race, can we have a pre-Saturday dinner? I'll need you for that. Yeah. So pre-Saturday dinner, you, you got to get your 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 carbs, of course. That's required. Um, you still need the protein to make sure that your muscles have something to burn. Right. right. Otherwise, you're gonna burn muscle. I know some great seafood pasta spots that I love. Um, get just make sure your stomach can handle. I'm kind of asking you out here. I don't know if you're noticing. Are, are you doing anything Saturday before? Yeah, yeah. You already got yeah, stuff? I'm with family. Yeah. Your family? Okay. Yet. So, I thought we were family, bro. Ah. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Se- second <laughs> removed. Uh, yeah, no, but you, you, you got to get uh, your system ready for, I mean, you're going to burn three to 4,000 calories. I know. I know. So you you, you got to have it in you. Otherwise, it's not, it's not going to be hard. Yeah. All right. So anyway, pre-race feast, we'll... We'll see each other on race day, I'm sure, and um, really appreciate you coming. And yeah, thanks for being you, man. Yeah, best of luck with local voices. Let's do Chicago it. it is. <laughs> All right.